Welcome to the Teaching in Tech podcast with Alan and Chad. This podcast was developed with teachers in mind. We are glad to have you joining us on the podcast where we will dive into everything related to teaching, learning, and technology integration. Our goal is to inspire passion in teachers by discussing strategies and activities that have been successful in the classroom, along with ways to integrate technology for maximum student engagement. In each episode, we want to look at things teachers are doing that are working, detailing teaching strategies and technology integration ideas. Also, special guests will join us to share their own strategies that have been successful with their learners. Well, we are back for another episode of Teaching in Tech, and today we have a very special guest joining us, uh, Tara Buckridge of McKinley High School is going to be our guest today. Tara, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Glad to have you. Mm-hmm. So any time we bring in a guest on the show, one of the things we like to get a start on is just finding out a little bit more about your teaching career, maybe how you got started as far as getting into the field of education and maybe some of the stops that you've made along the way. All right. Um, well, first off, I have been teaching for five years, and I've been in an inner city school all five years. Um, I started out at St. Thomas Aquinas for two, and then I have been at McKinley for three I've absolutely always been in love with science, especially biology. Um, Whenever I used to play outside all the time, I would be out with my dad. I would be trying to identify birds and plants and things like that. So he kind (laughs) of planted that seed, (laughs) if you get me. (laughs) Um, I also have five younger siblings, so I think that that really helped with leadership skills and just wanting to naturally lead individuals. Um, My parents also were (laughs) big indicators of that. My mom always wanted to be a teacher and so she saw me kind of helping out with the kids and everything and she bought me one of those blue plastic chalkboards for our basement and my Meemaw got me um, some chairs. She was an old school bus driver so she found some chairs laying around at work and brought them over to our house. So I set up my little classroom down there and I always say that instead of you know practicing to be a teacher I was just you know, I wasn't pretending I really was practicing, practicing yeah my whole life sounds yeah. like they kind of nudged you there yes a little bit <laughs> yep so we would be down there and we'd help I'd help out with homework and everything and then we'd go back up and I just always loved playing school um and yeah I always hoped to one day have my own little classroom like the one I set up in my basement <laughs> Yeah. And now you got the real thing. And now I got the real thing. That's right. <laughs> you know, one of the things, I spent a lot of time teaching integrated science at the middle school level, and I think with the students, too, when you talked about animals, plants, and living things, kids really do enjoy learning about that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. And my dad was really big in, into it, so he helped a lot along the way, too. Mm-hmm. So what uh, currently, what's your course schedule? What's, what are you teaching in the science department at McKinley High School? Um, I've taught biology all five years that I've been a teacher. Um, I've taught a huge array of things. When I was at St. Thomas, I taught 7th and 8th grade science along with health and AP physics, which I'm not licensed to teach. (laughs) But I really liked that challenge, and I had a really good experience learning that. Um, My favorite thing to teach, though, is definitely biology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other thing, too, you mentioned that AP physics, um, a lot different than teaching biology, but also really cool with a lot of the things you can get the students involved with and the activities that go along with the physics experiments. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. All right. So as we, uh, you know, keep talking about what you do in the classroom and and how you get kids engaged, I know during our conversation as we're going into this, we uh, definitely have different ideas of what a a classroom structure or environment looks like. Yeah. I was very intense, like let's go, uh, bright in the room, wanted everybody to feel the intensity. Mm-hmm. A little bit um, of that coaching mindset. Yeah, 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 ready to come in, it's game time. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yours seemed a little bit different. A lot different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you want to elaborate mm-hmm. on what your classroom environment looks like? Yeah, of course. Um, I think that the classroom environment is the number one most important thing. Whenever those kids come in, they need to feel like they are at home. And so I keep the lights low, actually. We're not all bright and energized bright, and ready to go. All nope. lit like mine. Nope. <laughs> um, I like to set up, I have twinkle lights all over the room, lamps. I like to keep it nice and soft. I have a sensi warm in the back with lavender. <laughs> um, Known to be a calming effect. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I have a lava lamp too. You know, we keep it chill over in Miss B's room. <laughs> um, whenever they walk in as well, I like to do a just five-minute meditation, and so that can look different for absolutely every student. I have some students that come in and immediately lay on the floor because they need to take a five-minute nap. <laughs> um, I have students that will maybe walk just in circles for five minutes because they have a lot of energy and they need to get Get that out. Um, other students can draw, write, read. You know, it looks different every single day with every single class. But yeah, I like to keep everything nice and calm and chill. You know, we do get pretty rowdy every now and then, but it's because we're playing a game usually. <laughs> so with that mindful five, do you find that the kids, for the most part, are since it sounds like kids can often be doing different things and it's kind of based on their own needs are they pretty respectful of each other during that time yes yes that's a good question I do every now and then have to say hey so-and-so is trying to take a nap over here and you're chatting what are the two rules in mindful five no tech no chatting you know know, it's time to disconnect yeah yeah. one thing too that also kind of came to mind that I think probably is important for maybe listeners to understand too we're in a block schedule environment at McKinley so Mm -hmm. that five minutes is a little bit easier to to Feel like you can give that to the students than if you're in a 45 minute time period where it's like everything's fast and furious so. oh yeah yeah um if it was a 45 minute class it would not be five minutes <laughs> we'd have the to do like two yes yeah, yeah. how do they do with the five minutes i mean do they transition well out of the five minutes do they ask for more than five minutes yeah it looks different every day and i scaffolded it from if that's a word scaffolded it scaffolded <laughs> yeah um at the beginning of the year we started with just 30 seconds and then after that first class period we moved up can you do one minute do you think and then we would go to one minute and that first few weeks months of the school year every kid was like that was two minutes it went by like a blink of an eye you know they started to crave that whole five minutes of time um and then every now and then yeah we I mean I've done a mindful 10 (laughs) but the kids you know I can tell if they really need it yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. well and the other thing too that I think to keep in mind is especially in a big school environment that the hallway exchanges can really be kind of a, a high energy situation mm-hmm. for some kids and that helps to for some of them I think just to bring things back down a little bit yeah it helps to, to center class. them yeah and then once we kind of come out of our mindful five it's not all right let's get started clap your hands let's go it's more of okay so not you can the coaching effect, not the coaching yeah <laughs> more of coming out of yoga you know (laughs) wiggle your toes start to bring the feeling back into your ankles and move your ankles twist them around Um, a lot of the kids will even like stretch off in the corner once I say okay it's time to come back out of it we're gonna get started and then we just move right into bell work so yeah it is a really nice transition pretty seamless I mean at this point it sounds like you've kind of trained the kids to go through this uh, routine and procedure and, and now they like you said they kind of crave that time oh yeah because it's to them mm-hmm. um sometimes throughout the period they'll ask you know hey I just finished this assignment I'm gonna get started on the next one but can I take my own personal mindful five for five minutes will you wake me up after five minutes yeah of course 
They go over, lay their head down. I set a timer on my watch, head back over, tap them. They're like, oh, thank you. Okay. And then they get right back into it. So it's nice. So it mm -hmm. seems like you're feeding really into what the kids are needing yeah. uh, emotionally as well mm -hmm. as academically and, and trying to bridge that. And yeah. so um, it, it's nice to hear that there's that structure and you know, you're, you're seeing results out of that. Yes. Mm -hmm. I was just wondering, thinking a little bit about that too, are there noticeable differences like as far as just the connections with the kids and like their excitement to come to class and like their interest in like being in the room? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't tell you how many kids want to come into my room and ask me for passes every single day, but it's that kind of environment that they like, that they have at home in their room. You know, the lights are low, mm -hmm. it smells good. I always have good music on in the background, you know. Um, but it does help to build relationships even too, because sometimes students will say, for my mindful five, can we talk in the hallway for five minutes? You know, and that gives me five minutes of time with one student to go ahead and we just discuss whatever happened in the class before or the night before, whatever else is going on. Yeah. And they've asked mm -hmm. for that. I mean, yeah. in that case, they're, yeah. they're the ones seeking yeah. it. initiating it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, as we've talked a little bit about that, uh, situation and that setup that you use to get started each day um, let's kind of move a little bit from that and talk a little bit about from the academic side uh, classroom structure once you've got that environment set then mm -hmm. what do you what do you normally do in a typical class period moving forward from there yeah so we always start with our mindful five I slowly lead them out of that and then we go right into review which is just bell work so there's a question of the day which was the essential question from the last period. And it just gives me, you know, five, 10 minutes to just ask basic questions. I usually throw out candy to anybody that gives a superb answer for anything, just to kind of show them, you know, like, hey, you got this, you know, you're doing great. So throw out some candy. Um, and then from there, we talk agenda, what we're going to do for the day. I always have the current class averages on the board because I do class of the quarter and whoever has the highest grade point average for the whole class gets whatever treat that they decide they want. Um, and so that helps a lot, you know, going over, you know, look at you guys, you have a 50%. <laughs> we got to bring that up. And then that encourages them seeing that every day to kind of, okay, yeah, I really got to get everything together and get stuff done. And so that's more of the I do part of the instruction, you know, laying everything out for them. Um, and then I'll go over basic agenda, what we're going to do, and then kind of do a we do in a way where maybe we do some questions together I kind of lead them into a lesson and then I eventually once I know that they feel confident will lead them into an I do so they'll end up doing work all on their own and getting to show me how confident they are with what they know yeah and that that definitely fits with the gradual release of responsibility like that teaching model being able to kind of move through those steps and eventually get to the point where they're a little more self-sufficient and able to kind of work through the different processes on their own. So mm -hmm. building an independent learner, which, you know, oh, is yeah. essentially what we want to do. Mm -hmm. And so um, there was there was something that you brought up uh, talking about your review pulling from previous questions. So you said last period, was it the class before or their class, their previous class? Their previous class, okay. yeah. If we weren't on a block schedule, it would just be a review of what we did the, the day previous before. day. So yeah. trying to pull up that retention and, yeah. and, and build on that. Mm -hmm. and, and then there was another one you, you talked about, the class average and then the independent student. And I just wanted to comment. I thought that, that you know, that's powerful for a whole class that, that keeps each other accountable. Yes. And it takes all of the, it doesn't, it doesn't keep all the pressure on the individual student 
to you know overperform. Yes. So I thought mm-hmm. that that was yeah. It's a yeah. little bit of competition, but built in in a way that it's not going to single any one student out and make anybody feel like they're it's just on them. Of course, so, yeah. Yeah. It's um, like I multi-layered. Do, yeah, yeah. Um, along with class of the quarter, there's also student of the month, and so that could be different for. I mean, every month. Say one person has perfect attendance for that whole month, they're a great candidate. If they have the highest grade or maybe they got the highest grade on the most previous test, they're a great candidate for student of the month. If they're just really great at helping me and helping the people around them. Interpersonal skills, again, yeah. yeah. So you're I'm, highlighting different strengths rather oh, yeah. than just saying anybody with the highest grade. Or... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I give a whole speech before I give out student of the month as well so we all clap for them and we're supportive you know we're in, we're a family each class has class. a student of the month yep mm-hmm. so yeah. that's kind of interesting to me how, how do you find do you get pretty good participation as far as get the applause and getting them to support kids oh yeah yep uh, and I was worried about that I was because you know it's kind of awkward when you're right. the one getting it and like oh god nobody's clapping right if you <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. receive your award and you just get a little golf clap right yeah <laughs> and it's kids. awkward right but no we really really I get them all amped up for it you know if I'm going to give you a student of the month you got to show me that you're excited for that person and we show support you know I every time somebody gets it you know they get a few fist bumps and high fives like great job yeah yeah mm-hmm. cool you know, I, I keep hearing all these things that you do um, to create this environment conducive to relationships, mm-hmm. positive energy, reinforce confidence in students. And Chad and I have had this conversation a lot. You know, adding all these layers takes away from instruction. It does. But mm-hmm. how do you how do you justify it in your mind then? How, like, are you getting through the content? Do you feel like your kids are learning? Is there a benefit? You know, what's your justification for this? Of course, yeah. Personally, I think that if I'm not motivating them and exciting them and getting them like pumped up to, uh, I get students asking me, how do I get student of the month? You know, it encourages them to do a little bit better than what they did yesterday, you know, and, oh, sorry, repeat your question. Oh, but also, <laughs> no, you're fine. And yeah. all, you know, the, the big thing is every everybody, not everybody, but a, mm-hmm. a lot of the time is people want to focus on, I have content I need to cover. Yeah. Do you find yourself not being able to cover content even with ta- you know taking away this time? Not really. I feel like they're more motivated knowing that they're in a safe, fun, exciting place. You know, and I have had like I don't know maybe two kids sent out all year so far, and those were like some serious things to be sent out for. You know, um, I just I don't know. I feel like if I model the respect that I have for them and the confidence that I see for them, <laughs> it, they kind of you know reflect that back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the one thing that, and you know, Alan mentioned a little bit the coaching mentality, and at times in my class it was kind of similar with that too. Like mm-hmm. I looked at it almost like a practice and like come in with a lot of energy and hopefully they're going to match the energy that I have. But, you know, as kids, you think about kids who maybe aren't used to an athletic background or maybe like just have a different personality where like high energy equals high stress for them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's different different mindsets yeah. and different things that reach different kids. So it is interesting to look at it from both sides of the, mm-hmm. you know, of that, the, both, both perspectives, I guess. Yeah. So one other thing as we were looking and talking a little bit um, previously about classroom structure, um, you also um, mentioned a little bit about how you have a, a check-in at the end of each block. So maybe a, a little bit about how that works. Yes. So with that check-in, it's usually in that you do section, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I will go around to every single table. I have my classroom laid out in groups of four. And so with every group, I usually try to stagger them so that I don't have all just best friends at one table. (laughs) Um, 
whenever I do go around, I just, you know, do basic asking of, hey, how are you doing? You know, but then they know me. It's not, hey, how are you doing? Good. Yeah, you? Good. You know, no. How are you doing? <laughs> you know, we really, we get into it sometimes. You know, sometimes kids have just a lot of trauma that they're carrying and they kind of just let it out right there. And you got to take a little bit of time to talk to them about that. Um, and then most of the time, though, it is just walking around, getting a feel for who's got it, who needs help. Content-based. Yes. Yeah. And who has it but doesn't feel confident. I feel like the majority of my kids are kids that have it, but they're just so so, like there's there's no confidence Insecure you know so about yes. whether it's, it's the right quote unquote right answer exactly and so going through and you know again just perking them up a little bit like you got this you of course you got it and then giving them quality feedback you know telling them you know you did this exactly right and then going to the next one this one's right but you know and then giving them a little bit of a critique to show them you're not confident because of this mm-hmm. you know and then once they figure that out they got it Mm-hmm. So I, I'm thinking about that from a technology standpoint, too, in that, you know, we look at a lot of the platforms we have now, whether it's Google Classroom or e- even outside of your learning management system, some of the different tech tools have, like, feedback built in. Mm-hmm. But really, there's no substitute for just the interpersonal, like, the one-to-one oh, conversation. Yeah. Because a lot of times when you're looking at even, like, a Google Classroom comment, like, if it's misinterpreted or there's really no way to detect tone or yeah so it really is neat just to see even with all the tools that we have available and things that we might have used during the pandemic just out of necessity when we can get back into a regular environment to have that one-to-one connection is still a really important thing oh yeah well i mean Mm -hmm. i remember conversations with my kids you talk about the confidence Mm -hmm. anytime they'd get feedback if you were if it was written on a paper and you know and or tech you type it out and, and they're receiving that if they don't have the tone it only, you know, decreases that confidence because they're taking it negatively. Yes. And so I right. think that mm-hmm. having that conversation builds that. Um, Just more of an encouraging yeah, tone. Right. Oh, where, yeah. Where it's, it, it, you can critique something, you can have feedback, but it doesn't have to be negative or taken negative. It's how do we improve? How do we get better? Exactly. And I, I feel like I try to model that the best I can. I do let the kids have as much say as they possibly can in every lesson. You know, do we like Kahoot or do we like um, Look It? Well, they all like Book It this year for some reason. So I haven't played a new, I haven't played a Kahoot yet this year. But you know, they gave me feedback. Kahoot's boring. Okay, that's great. What else can we do that's different? You know, and then we'll move into something else. And I take it and I say, okay, yeah, you're right. Let's change it. And then by modeling that, I think that that helps a lot too. Well, and you're Mm -hmm. offering them choices where you've already thought those through and any of those choices are going to fit the objectives that you want. So you're giving them that element of choice. But at the same time, when they choose one of those, it's still going to go in somewhat of a direction that you want it to go in. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That's that's a nice uh, advantage. You're adding the parameters to what. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, as we start talking about your classroom and the environment and the structure, um, looking at your instructional piece, you know, what would you say your core values are as far as providing that instruction and your expectation of students and, and, and what you think lessons need to look like in order to best engage your students? Okay. That's a loaded question. I like it. Um, so to start, again, a lot of layers to the onion there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would like to start with again, the, I do you, or I do, we do, you do sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but then also with, Um, regard to the actual lesson planning it is all backed by what can I apply this to in their real life 
okay? So we just did a unit on the cell membrane. <laughs> it's the most boring unit of the entire <laughs> school year. It's just what can go in and out of the cell. You cell know, transport. Yep, cell transport. And I, I mean, I don't like teaching it either, but I was real excited about it, you know, and I applied hypotonic being, you ever, have you ever been in the bathtub too long, the swimming pool, any kind of water, you notice your hands get all wrinkled up. That's a hypotonic solution. Your cells are swelling. And then immediately they're able to remember that word, hypotonic cells will swell. You know, and just incorporating a lot of music as well, which this wasn't something I talked to you about earlier. I have a song for just about everything. The most recent one was ATP. ATP is energy adenosine triphosphate. The kids will scream it. <laughs> they love it. You know, but just applying it to the real world and making it a little bit more fun. Um, again, also just pretending um, we're doing codon charts right now, which is really challenging. Every year, until this year actually, I've had a little bit of trouble with teaching it and getting the kids to understand it quickly, you know, because this is a topic that's really heavy on the state tests and I want them to be able to move through it. I said, you know, some people do crosswords, some people do word searches, puzzles, paint, whatever. I do code on charts and they laughed so hard and then they found it relaxing it was i mean it was the coolest thing i totally made You're it up oh i totally made it up i do think it's a lot of fun but it's not relaxing yeah. you know but now they find it relaxing and they are able to do it not with stress and i didn't tell them oh this is the hardest thing you're going to learn all year no we're going to relax while we do it this is fun we're just matching our base pairs, finding our protein on the codon chart, you know, it was good. Well, I, I was thinking a little bit about how you talked about integrating music in there. And so, you know, kids, they definitely like when there's music, you know, involved in the lesson. Oh, yeah. So you and you've kind of got your own original content where like who needs a vocabulary when you've got like your, your I've got own, songs for everything. You've got, your own, <laughs> yeah, you've got your own tracks. But yeah, um, those those little like things that they can it, just the cues that they get from that when you've got like a little rhyme or like a little song that goes with some of those topics that are heavy on vocabulary. It really does mm -hmm. help them when it comes to trying to recall that later. Oh, so. yeah. What's um, already in my head. Right. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, there was, and it's funny when you bring that up because there was a vocabulary lesson that I used in middle school science on bacteria. And, and it was just, Ooh. it was just a, it was a terrible like hook that just would play over and over. Over and on. over, and yeah. So I would tell the kids, when you have this song stuck in your head later on today, just remember, you're welcome. Right. <laughs> yes. Oh, I see the kids like whenever we take a test singing the songs while they're uh -huh. taking the test, but they're remembering, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and even though they'll say at the beginning, like, they kind of roll their eyes. Oh, or, every you know, time. But then <laughs> later on, as you mentioned, like, you'll see them sometimes using it. When oh, they, yeah. When they, don't have to, uh, when they don't have to feel like they're too, you know, too cool for that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, one of the things we talked about a little bit earlier, too, is the idea of just trying to look for real-world real applications. So mm -hmm. uh, maybe some, some examples of some lessons that you've used you know, recently that involve, because as you talk about biology, there's a lot of things there that certainly relate to life. But then connecting them to everyday life is a little bit more challenging. So. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go over one that I've done recently and then one that I'm planning on going through. Okay. So nice. um, in a recent lesson, again, with the osmosis, water transfer, cell membrane, <laughs> that whole big unit, 
I had a video. Um, his name is Chubby Emu online. If you ever want to look him up on YouTube, he's a doctor. <laughs> I know, right? Chubby Emu. But he is a doctor, and he goes through case studies or even thing, like patients that he's had, and he just walks through the patient appeared at the ER, had these symptoms, and this was what they said or what they were able to say, you know, because not everybody presented to the ER is conscious and ready to talk. Right. Um, and he just goes through here the symptoms, the signs, and now let's talk about the biology. We did a video on a woman that drank three gallons of water in like an hour, and unfortunately she passed away. She was a mother trying to win a wee on a game show. And she, the whole thing was hold your wee for a wee. <laughs> and so she wow. had to drink three gallons of water and hold it. And the last one to, you know, keep everything together, <laughs> got the wee, but her cells, they were just bursting, you know, she held everything. Wow. Yeah. And so applying that to something that really happened to someone, which is, I mean, the kids were, they just ate it up. They were just amazed with it. Um, right now we're working on DNA. Well, oh, go before ahead. We, yeah. Well, before we move on to what's next, so mm -hmm. how would you like? So, for example, if that's in like the format of a YouTube video, which is like a great way to kind of get them thinking and visualize, then how would you take that that video content and then lead that into making those connections in like the biology content? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, in the video, they broke down quite a few different things. Uh -huh. So they they talked about what her cells were going through and everything and. Um, I, on their quiz, this was a different thing, but the woman drank three gallons of water, her, her cells exploded. On their quiz, I talked about so-and-so was at a sports meet, and I used a student's name, because <laughs> it actually happened to this student. He was at basketball, super dehydrated, not feeling well, dizzy, fatigued, ended uh -huh. up passing out not passing away passing out <laughs> at practice yeah. and then immediately got sent to the hospital had an IV put in and everything and I asked them what was going on you know and so they were able to apply it oh my gosh this happened to a friend and I asked him for, for, for right. permission right. and everything obviously but applying that to something that has happened to one of their peers you know it's the opposite it's hypertonic but now they're being able to make like those connections. Yeah. Ways, yeah. And, then, and then look at it step by step and then integrate vocabulary that you've talked yeah. about. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Definitely. Right. Yeah. So then you had also mentioned there's a future lesson that you're uh, working toward. And yeah. So unfortunately, we do have to cover the topic of cancer. I am a cancer survivor. So I get to kind of share my story a little bit. And while we're going through mutations and just the different effects that cancer can have on the body, we're gonna talk about chemo as well. And that is a state standard, but having someone that like has actually gone through that and mm -hmm. experienced that, I think it'll really open up a big discussion for everything. And then, oh yeah, I and mean, especially the fact that you're willing to kind of open up and share yeah, about that. Kids love asking questions. So yeah. I'm like, man, that's <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. pretty rich conversation. Mm -hmm. And it was ovarian cancer, so now we're going to be able to apply mitosis and meiosis, DNA with uh -huh. all the mutations and everything, and then karyotyping as well. So it'll be a big unit. But then also, unfortunately, everybody seems to know someone or right. know someone who knows someone that has gone through some kind of cancer treatment mm -hmm. or has passed away from the disease or, you know. So. Uh, well, actually, it's interesting you bring that up because... At one point in the classroom, I remember asking a, a group of students, it was during October when we were doing, you know, like a, a ribbon type 
uh, yeah. event for the month. Mm -hmm. And so just asking that question as we were kicking off that month, how many of you have either in your immediate family or a friend, someone, you, and it's literally every hand Everyone. in the room. Yep. So when you talk about making that connection in that way, mm -hmm. I mean, it's that's as real world as it gets because yeah. everybody in some way, unfortunately, and not that it's a good thing, but it is part of life that they can relate to that. Exactly. So. And it's something that they'll be able to understand better now. You know, not everybody, I mean, everybody thinks, oh, you don't have any hair. Do you have cancer? <laughs> well, <laughs> there are a lot of things that can happen to the human body that would prevent body hair from growing, you know? Right. And so being able to walk through those different genetic diseases and things like that mm -hmm. too will be really fun. Just stems in all those different conversations. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, one last thing is we're talking about the core values too. I know a big part of what you do has to, biology is so vocabulary heavy. So mm -hmm. as far as the, the vocabulary and some of the, maybe the, the methods you use to help the students with that or help them to understand the vocabulary that's going to be used in class. Yeah, um, I actually have started a disciplinary literacy cohort with Alan and a few others. <laughs> um, shout out. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> um, we've been working together really closely to figure out different ways that we could incorporate more morphological breakdowns of words. Um, and so instead of just hammering them with here are Greek roots, here are Latin roots, memorize them. <laughs> We've, I've just been slowly integrating them with every unit. And so like with our photosynthesis, respiration, fermentation, chemosynthesis, all of those different words, before even presenting what they were, which most students, they have a pretty good understanding of photosynthesis, but we have to take it several steps past where they learned in middle school when we get into high school, you know. Right. so taking those words, breaking them down, showing them that photo actually means light, synthesis to make. Oh, well, what are they making? Oh, energy, you know? And so being able to break all those words down, that is something that I will use forever because now when we talk about other words that include those roots or prefixes, suffixes, they're gonna be able to make those connections. So I already have a little bit of roots planted, you know, in the ground for them to grow from. So yeah, if there's any any subject area that vocabulary is critical, it's going to be science, and really within that, biology is one of the heaviest, probably the heaviest areas. Oh just yeah, in terms mm -hmm. of, the, of the terminology and the vocabulary, and, and making sure students can understand that. So. Yeah, it's very unique to that content. It, I mean, it when is. You talk about the tier three level, and then you know heavily relying on the Greek and Latin roots. Oh, and, yeah. And then we even talked, you know, the differences between math and science. Oh, my and God, making they're sure like opposites. Kids, yes. <laughs> you know, the things that they're pulling on. So I always think of uh, David Anderson and his anchor points, and mm -hmm. kids have an anchor point there, but then they can't necessarily latch it on to that because right. there's a difference. Mm -hmm. You know, when we talk, we can talk about cell division, you know, mm -hmm. we're looking at math versus science, the way it represents. And yeah. so... It, it definitely uh, what you're doing and, and some of the success you've had has been obviously impactful with getting kids oh, yeah. to, to see that and, and to make to know when it's in science versus the other contents. Yeah. So oh, I'm so excited to teach mitosis and meiosis this year. Um, I'm not not to like, you know, confuse them, but to kind of just bring that up whenever you divide in math. <laughs> whenever you divide in biology <laughs> but I think it'll be really cool for them to see that difference you know and to make that connection themselves yeah mm -hmm. and, and the visuals I you know yeah. I, I, I picture it every time we talk about it and I'm like man if you could show this and have kids kind of work it out and yeah man that'll be mm -hmm. it'll be awesome. good yeah I'm excited all right well one of the things that um, that we talked about a little as we were leading into this episode um, just how much, uh, as you 
entered the profession and just developing a love for learning and then furthering your, as, even as an educator, furthering your education. So um, maybe share with us some of the thoughts you have on that. Oh, yeah. Um, I am on book 64 now of the year. <laughs> 64. I, my goal was 20. <laughs> I'm not going to say what number I'm on. We're going to go ahead and 64. That's impressive. Yeah, like, wow, 64 look at that. Yeah. I'm looking at Chad like, what, where are you I, at? I, I'm around, I think I'm about six for the year. So. Yeah. So I have not yet broken double digits yet. And the, the problem for me is my, my primary reading months are, are usually June, July, and August. So first, yeah. half, first half yeah. of August. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know why I'm such a nerd. It just, you know, comes naturally. <laughs> um, but no, I really appreciate furthering my education as an educator. And I like to model that. I have a poster right outside my door that's a picture of me holding a book. And I change it every time I'm reading a new book. And it says, currently reading. And, you know, the kids notice, you know, oh, you wrote a book. I didn't write a book. I'm reading that book. And they're, oh, you read? I do read. What, what do you read? No. Oh, well, you just haven't found the right book yet. You know, I've gotten quite a few students to pick some pieces of text, literature, even, you know, especially the fiction stuff. It's fun, you know, and they just don't really see that in their everyday life of mm-hmm. you have to read this. You have assigned to read reading. that. Yeah. So and usually the assigned reading is sometimes very bland. Can be dry. Is, yeah. Can be. Not mm-hmm. always. Not you know, always, I know the English course. teachers, I don't, I don't want to be offensive right. in no, that they, comment. No, they work but, very hard on the novels they pick. And, yeah. yeah. But if I didn't feel connected, I didn't read in school. No, neither did I. I. Did. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now I'm a, an educator, and for some reason with all that free time I have, <laughs> no, it's always filled with books. So um, I'm actually going to be teaching out of two different books this year, just from, you know, me reading and thinking, oh, man, this is going to be really fun to teach. Um, I'm going to be in the photocopy room, you know, with my book on the glass, photocopying several copies of, um, it's actually Sapiens. I just gave it to Lynn Rudd the other day. Yeah. So what's that one about? Um, that is about just the human evolution throughout time. It's, it starts from the very, very first Homo sapiens and where we have come. And then it even talks about the future and biotechnology. And that's the part that I'm going to be focusing on whenever we get to our unit on biotechnology. What could this look like? Like we can genetically modify an apple to be the perfect tasting apple. What could we do to a human? What could we do to another animal? You know, creepy, it is creepy. Oh, it's terrible. You know, there are so many ethics well, and laws big, and stuff around it. As far it. as the yeah. ethics side of that, I mean, there's certainly, I mean, it is certainly a, a part of the real world and something that is in, in the future and looking at the ethics of that and then how a society should handle that and the laws exactly. that, that govern that. But I'm reading a book right now that talks about, it's like an apocalyptic world of biotechnology. And I think that that would be fun to kind of be like, Oh, you know, to couple here. both of those. Well, and yeah. another way to integrate, fic- <laughs> even to integrate fictional pieces into yes. a, into a, a biology class, is not always a common approach, but it's a way to get engagement and get the kids. Involved. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then to and read, like you said. Yeah, just kind of get them. Um, yeah, to read something small. You know, it's fun. It's engaging. It's not real, but it's dealing exactly with what we are right now, which and is DNA. And you can have conversations about it. And then yeah. what, what aspects are real? How do we stem fiction from nonfiction? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a biology teacher. It's difficult incorporating fictional text, but oh, it's, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> you know, as you talked a little bit about the idea of modeling that continuous education for the students, I know there've been times when I've been taking graduate level courses and students would ask about 
you know, things that I was doing, I'd say, well, I'm taking a class right now, and they would be taken aback by that. Oh, yeah. You're taking a class right now, and it, it, it really is a good point just to be able to, uh, an opportunity to model for them. Mm-hmm. Learning doesn't just stop at the end of 12th grade. But exactly. It's something that you can continue on, and depending on, you know, what career path you take, or even if it's something that you just do for interest, whether you get mm-hmm. involved in a class of something that's interesting to you just to learn something new or something different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And always challenge yourself, you know. If there's a skill that you've never picked up that you're like, ah, I don't think I'd be very good at that, go on and try it. I paint now. I'm a, I knit. I, I never, ever thought I would ever be a, a crafty person. And I always said I am not creative. I don't have a creative bone in my body. I don't know. I wanted to challenge myself and see if it was actually true. So now I'm knitting and crafting all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes, too, though, that – even as you mentioned, like students think the same way, that idea of like a growth mindset, whether, yeah. oh, this is this is what I'm good at and this is what I'm not good at. And there's really not an opportunity to change. And mm-hmm. as you mentioned, once you start to kind of like stretch a little bit, sometimes you start to learn more about something that you thought maybe you couldn't do at all. And you start to mm-hmm. be able to either do it maybe functionally or maybe really, really well. Yeah. So, Always kind of build that deeper. confidence a little bit. Yeah. Doing so, too. Definitely. Yeah, and that, mm-hmm. is, that is a, that is definitely a great thing to model for students. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, as we uh, start wrapping up, there's there's a final thing I really want to ask you. Um, mm-hmm. Piece of advice for any new or veteran teachers looking to revamp their classrooms. Oh, you're going to ask me that as a year five teacher. Man, <laughs> I just feel like I shouldn't say anything. But I will say the number one thing that has just kept me pushing those kids along and being there for them and keeping them where they're supposed to be is you have to start where they are, but you can't stay there. You know, every time you have a student come in, maybe they're at a third grade leading, reading level, mm-hmm. we're gonna start there. We're gonna give you an easier text to read. We're gonna walk through everything a little bit slower. If you have a student that is, you know, gifted and ready to tackle whatever problem you can hand them, well, we need to start there. You know, we need to give them a little bit of a harder text to read or more activities that involve higher order thinking skills, you know? Start where they are, don't stay there. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting because there's a lot of different ways that you could word that, but really that is the growth mindset is what yeah. that boils down to, is that uh, everybody has certain abilities, certain skills that you know they may not have fully tapped into yet, mm-hmm. and if you keep moving things forward, uh, you know, eventually good things are going to happen, and they're going to have something that they've accomplished that they can be proud of. So Yeah, build confidence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode, and uh, it's been great having you on. Great chatting yeah, with you. Like about thank you so us. much. Uh, <laughs> your views on education and some of the things that you've been able to have success with in the classroom, uh, building relationships with students, and some of the things that you also do in, in the biology setting. I hope that everybody listening found something useful that they can apply in whatever capacity that they are working with students. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please remember to subscribe, rate, and write us a review. You can find previous episodes of Teaching and Tech with Alan and Chad on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.